It's good to be back with you. I'm Amy Coles, and I always enjoy when I have the opportunity to speak here. As I begin, I do want to give you a word of thanks, a word of thanks for um, offering to Andrea four weeks of formation and spiritual growth leave. I listen to a podcast often by Michael Hyatt, who talks about your best life now, and one of the things that he talks about is how folks need to have a, a month sabbatical every year. Well, United Methodists, in our great wisdom, we allow a pastor to take formational and spiritual growth leave every six years. So, um, I, you know, so I think it's a great thing, and Andrea hasn't done this before, and so I'm just, um, I'm praying for her, and I'm looking forward to the time where she can renew and refresh, and it's just another thing that makes me proud to be a part of the West community, that you all would take care of your pastor in this way. So how about offering yourselves a round of applause for doing that? That's great. So the last time I was here, we talked a bit about the social principles that we as United Methodists um, talk about and um, write every four years. And these social principles are um, guidelines, they're instructions for how we as Jesus followers can best live out our faith in the world. And in the often most talked about section that we've been talking about a lot in the Methodist Church and in the human sexuality section, there's these instructions. It says the church should support the family in providing age-appropriate education regarding sexuality to children, youth, and adults. That the church should support the family in providing age-appropriate sex education, regarding sexuality. It's a way that we in the church can, can speak into this good gift that God has given us and, and urge our children and our youth to know the responsible stewardship of this sacred gift. So one of the things that I have done for the last 30 years, um, has ass- I've assisted with and I've led human sexuality workshops for older elementary school students, 4th, 5th, and 6th graders, and then also for middle high students until we learned that middle high students knew it all and we didn't need to do it for them anymore. Um, but we still, um, we still offer it for older elementary school students. And, and in addition to helping these young people grow up to be the men and the women that God created them to be, one of the other incredible benefits of this I've seen is it, it opens up the lines of communication in families. And that's why I've continued to do it for 30-plus for years. But as a part of our middle high human sexuality seminar, we would play the song that was just played by Tina Turner, the, the theme of this message series for the next several weeks. What's love got to do with it? 
And, and if you think about the lyrics to the song and about um, Ike and Tina Turner's relationship and, and how rocky that was and, and how Tina now has shared with us that it was an incredibly abusive relationship. When you think about the lyrics to this song, you can kind of hear how she was processing that as she wrote it. What's love got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? And then in the, in the um, verses, it goes on and it talks about how love is physical and how it's logical. And you must try to ignore that it means more than that. Um, then another verse, I've been taking on a new direction, but I have to say I've been thinking about my own protection. It scares me to feel this way. What's love got to do with it? What's love but a secondhand emotion? What's love got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? When we talked with the middle high students about that, we we talked about how that isn't the kind of expression of love that God would want for them. That, that, That love comes from God and it's meant to help us know that we're all persons of sacred worth. And that the expression of love between two people is, is an expression of God's love. It's meant to build us up, not to demean, not to hurt, not to abuse. And so we could talk about Ike and Tina's relationship, and, and we could talk about how the, the church deplores that. We deplore commercialization. We deplore abuse of any kind. And that we wanted them to be able to share that if and when that ever happened with them, with their parents, or with another trusted adult. You know, when we think about what the Bible has to say about love, one of the more familiar passages, in addition to those that we have sometimes memorized, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Or that we're called to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as ourselves. Another one that's, that's very familiar comes in a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth from 1 Corinthians 13. And if we remember a bit about Paul's letters, what, what Paul would do would be to, to start a faith community and then he'd move on to go start another faith community. And, and he, had, he, he would leave leaders there. And then he would hear things about them. And, and, and so he, he would write letters back to them. Now, today we'd probably write him an email or send him a text or um, an instant message. But, but, but back then he would write him a long letter. And he would write him a letter that talked about the things that they were doing really well and the things that they needed to, to, to work on. And so as Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, he inserts what biblical scholars believe possibly was an ancient hymn or a a, a poem in the midst of that letter. And it's words that we're familiar with. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
Love never ends. Now, where do we mostly hear that, that read? At weddings, amen, at weddings. It's, it's a part of weddings. As, as the assistant to the bishop, I don't get to do many weddings these days, but, but I remember early on in my ministry that I actually thought a couple of times, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the couple I will pay them if they don't use that scripture. Because I had said all I could think of to say about that scripture. Um, and and I, it never really worked, but, but it was a good thought. But, but the other thing was is, is that that scripture isn't about that kind of blissful, idealistic love that, that a couple feels um, as they're standing before God and before each other and making a covenant with each other. It's not love that's a feeling. The, the love that's talked about here in 1 Corinthians is, is an action. It's action. It's, it's love that takes some hard work. And, and, and so while, while we think it's a beautiful thing to talk about in a wedding, I think it's more appropriate for how we might live as Jesus followers in the day in and day out. Um, the interesting thing about the love that's talked about in that passage is that in the Greek, there are several different kinds of love. Now, we here in, in English, in, in today's world, we use love to mean all sorts of things, don't we? We can talk about, I love Brussels sprouts. Um, okay, does not, nobody else loves Brussels sprouts? I really do. Um, so we love Brussels sprouts. I, I love the blue, Duke Blue Devils. Um, you know, or we can talk about, I love family and, and I love my niece and nephew, or, or I can, or I love that significant other in my life. And, and it's the same word, but it's a really different kind of love, isn't it? When the Greek, there were, there were actually three different words that they used for the word love. First, there was eros, which was, was that kind of romantic love that, that you had for another. And then there was philia, the love that, that, that we have, the affection that we have for friends and, and for family that, that talks about, um, you know, kind of that where we get the word Philadelphia, that brother and sisterly love. Not romantic, but, but, but a genuine affection for someone else. And then there was agape love, and that's the word that Paul's using here in 1 Corinthians 13. Agape love, an, an unconditional love, a, a sacrificial love. It's, it's the most noble, it, at least it was to the Greeks, the most noble and powerful kind of love. It, it, it was characterized by sacrifice, by thinking more of somebody else than of yourself. And so in this biblical passage, that's what he's trying to get across. And, and so it also was written, or he inserted it here in this letter, to a broken church. To a church back then that was fighting, that was quarreling, that was in conflict, that, that needed to hear as he ends the, the chapter right before he, he inserts this song. He ends it, let me show you a more excellent way. Let me show you how to live as the body of Christ, how, how to exhibit that kind of Christ-likeness, how, how to be, give people a glimpse of the kingdom by this kind of self-sacrificial love. It would have been a good word to Ike and Tina Turner back in the day. And I think it's a good word to us as well. And I think we have to remember that first and foremost, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about God's love for us. It's not just about our love for one another, but it's first and foremost about how God loves each and every one of us.
Paul starts out, love is patient. Love is patient. And, and, and the word patient isn't just kind of being that non-anxious presence till I get what I want. I'll patiently endure. But actually, it's a, it's a kind of active enduring. It's, it's bravely enduring. Misfortunes and troubles is what the Greek word means. And, and certainly, God has bravely endured, has endured when we as God's people have turned away, when we've done those things that God didn't want us to do, when we've failed to, to listen to God and to follow God, the God who created us. Paul goes on to talk about love being kind. And and the Greek word there talks about being measured in demanding our own needs. And certainly the God we see in the scriptures, the God we read about in the Bible, um, puts God's own needs away and, and sacrifices for us, sends his only son into the world and allows that son to be killed that we might find the life that really is life. Then Paul goes on to talk about how love bears all things and believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things. That's who God is to us, that that if someone loves God, that 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 person is known by God and that God is a God of relationships. It's a a, a mutuality. It's It's a way that we participate with God in who we are. And Paul's writing this to to a church that that seems to believe more in a God of retribution or a God that requires them to sacrifice in order that that God might be pleased. They worship lots of other little gods and before they came to know God Almighty. And so, um, so Paul's saying, you don't have to, that's not the God that you're worshiping now. The God that you're worshiping is a God who who loves unconditionally and is going to endure and stay with you even when you make mistakes. Even when you do things that break God's heart, that God will continue to be with you. And then it flows that if God's going to love us that way, then we also ought to love one another in that very same way. That we who are linked in love with God need to, to allow that love to, to, be, be char- to characterize our love for one another. You know, right before Paul does this hymn, he's, he spent a whole chapter talking about spiritual gifts, about those gifts that God has given us that, that we can share that will upbuild the body of Christ, the community of faith. And so Paul really isn't talking a whole lot about just kind of a, a one-on-one love, but, but a community love, a, a love that can characterize a whole group of people. And I think as we kind of oversee and and look into what Paul is writing, we can see how incredibly applicable that is today. That the world out there is looking to the church, is looking to a community of faith like West here, and and to see how we interact with one another, to see what we do in order that, that we might show them a more excellent way, a way that God intended for us to live. And so as I think about what um, the characteristics that Paul's talking about, the the actions that Paul is talking about that that need to characterize us as as those who want to be Jesus followers, I love the way that Eugene Peterson um, transcribes this message because I think it puts it into words that make us think. We hear the poem over and over, but the words of Eugene Peterson make us think. And I want us to kind of go through those for the next few minutes. Um, Here's what it says. First is love never gives up. 
Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Again, it's a beginning that talks about sacrificial love. Love that, that's thinking more of the other and, and not wanting what it doesn't have, meaning that we're not looking at other people in the community of faith to make us whole. But we become whole as we establish a, a deep and rooted relationship in Jesus Christ. And, and then we share that relationship with others who are a part of the community of faith. We care more for others than we care for ourselves. Then Eugene Peterson goes on to say that love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. When we love another with the kind of love that God gives to us, that, that other is not a possession. It's not He or she is not some kind of trophy, somebody to show off to, to make us look better. Loving another isn't, isn't about us. It isn't about how good we are and how self-sacrificing we are. And, but it, but it's, a, it's characterized by humility. A humility that knows that, that the only way that I can be in relationship with another in love is because God has loved me first. And I love that last line. It isn't always me first. You know, I think oftentimes we... Um, we misunderstand that, that verse in the scripture that talks about loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving others as ourselves. Because I, I often think that what we think is, um, okay, so I've got to love others as much as I love myself. And friends, you know, I think for the most part, we've got that loving ourselves down pretty good. Um, oftentimes, uh, and I think the way we start, even three-year-olds start this way, it is a lot about me first, isn't it? I found this in, in raising teenagers. My niece, May, who um, is living with me, is a vegan. And um, she's a vegan who doesn't eat salad. <laughs> I guess you can do that. And, and so one of the things that we've had to work through is um, what happens when we go out to eat with a group of other people? Because May 17, and life is a lot about her. And I tend, when we go out to eat, I know where we can go get vegan meals that aren't salad. And so we'll do that. But, but one of the things that we've had to work through is how, what kind of attitude does she have? What does she need to do when other people have invited us to join them? And sulking isn't an option. Um, you know, that she can make do for one meal. She is not going to starve to death, and she can figure out what to do. But, but, but it's, it's kind of a learned behavior, and we continue to work on it. And I, and I remember back in my own life, my parents had to do the same thing, that, that they taught me when you go out to eat with friends that you look at the prices on the menu and you don't order the most expensive thing. And, and it's about thinking about others. It's not always me first. So, yes, we do love others as we love ourselves. We love ourselves, but we've got to love others even more. Then it goes on to say, love doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. You know, what I think is true is often we feel free to hurt the people who are closest to us. 
I can be the most cranky with those I know who aren't going to go away if I'm cranky with them. And, and yet I, the, the kind of action, the way I really want to be with others is, is not flying off the handle, not getting upset at what they do, but, but, um, but being willing to, um, to, to be my best self with them. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others, and, and aren't we apt to do that? It's so much easier to point out the things that other people do wrong and kind of overlook the things that we might do wrong. And it's a good reminder that, that to truly love another is to realize that, that we all make mistakes, that we all fall short, and to be willing to not only pick each other up, but to, but to hold each other gently accountable, that we together might be the best that we can be doesn't revel when others grovel. It doesn't place ourselves above somebody else when they're in need. But, but realize this, that, that always, always, there are going to be those of us and, and times in our lives when we particularly need something. And then what's interesting in this song is that, that it switches from the don'ts, it isn't, the things that, that love is not, to the things that it is. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. Love trusts God always. Love is something where we can uh, be honest with one another that that the truth and, and the goodness of people, the truth of this world and the goodness of God is flowered and is evident in our relationships. Love puts up with anything. It puts up with all those crazy idiosyncrasies that we have. And, and as an aside, that doesn't mean that we as Christians allow others to harm us like I can Tina Turner. That's not this kind of love. And we have to walk away from that. But, but it does put up with the, all those things that drive us crazy about other people and, and allows us to see them as people of sacred worth, as children of God, as those who are doing their very best. And most especially love, trust God. That God is bigger than any of this. That that God is the one that that is helping mold us into our faith community. And God's going to continue to give us the love that we need for one another. Then finally, Paul talks about how God, how love always looks for the best. Always looks for the best in another. And and I I think that's what means is that they're willing to look, um, that that your um, significant other throws their socks on the floor or um, squeezes the toothpaste in the middle or likes ketchup on their macaroni and cheese. Um, Those those things that you don't look at those things, but looking at those things that are good about them, the, the gifts that God has given to them. Love never looks back. Love isn't saying, oh, I, I, you know, you could have done it better here, but, but is willing to, to move, push us forward. That's it, willing to, to help a person be even better in the days to come rather than continuing to blame them for things that happened in the past and keeps going and going and going. Even when you don't feel love for other people in the community of faith, we continue to, to do those things that are loving. And I think the great thing about God is as we do those things that are loving, then we're enabled to to continue that feeling of love comes back. We won't have it all the time. We won't be blissfully in love with everybody in the community of faith. But if we do those things that are loving, then love will characterize our relationship. But, you know, Paul knew that that, that we weren't going to get it totally. 
that nobody can live by all those characteristics. So here's what he says to the community of faith and and what he says to us. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing God directly, just as God knows us. You see, what, what Paul's trying to share with the community of faith is there will come a day when we're face-to-face with God, when we understand and can see clearly that incredible, unconditional love that God has for us. But until that time, what we've got to remember is, is we're seeing dimly. We're just getting glimpses of it, and, 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 and we're not going to see the whole picture. But we've got to trust. We've got to trust that it, as we're doing those things, as we're acting in love, as we're putting others first before ourselves, that, that we're getting it right. And that, and that when that day comes, we'll see how it all fits together, God's incredible purpose for his world So he finishes, but right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward that consummation. We need to trust steadily in God. We need to hope unswervingly. And we need to love extravagantly. And the best of these things, the more excellent way, is love. So may we continue to be a people A people that when the world looks at us, they might say, you know, they're not perfect. They don't always get it right. But the thing that characterizes them is they love extravagantly. They follow after Jesus Christ, who who was willing to feed those who were hungry and who was willing to heal those who were sick and in need and to stand beside the outcasts and help them to know their worth in God's eyes. May we as a community of faith be characterized by that kind of love. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, it's not easy. It's not easy to love in this way. But God, we know that you love us unconditionally. We know that you love us despite our our faults and our failures, despite the fact that that we're not always perfect, that that we mess up all the time. May that same kind of love characterize the love of of our communities of faith. May we be willing to work hard at it. May we be willing to do what it takes to put others before ourselves so that the world might know that we are a people who love extravagantly. Amen. So friends, agape love was the kind of love that God created the world with. A love of God, a love of each other, a love of all creation, a love of ourselves. May we be that community, that community that shows that love to the rest of the world, that they too might see it, glimpse it, see it dimly, and come to know that one day, One day they will see God and that incredible love face to face. Let us go forth and show the world that love. Have a great week.